Are you wise? That's the question of the hour and the question that James, the brother of Christ and author of our passage of scripture for this morning, asks us through the word of God today. How do you define wisdom? Who do you think of when you think of wisdom? Someone were to ask you, who, who do you know that's wise? Who would come to your mind? What are the qualities that you think of when, when you think of wisdom? As we turn to the book of James together, the letter that James wrote to, to scattered believers, it's good to be reminded that uh, James and, and other New Testament letters were situational. They weren't, they weren't written to be... Uh, history books, they weren't written to be fiction books, or they weren't written even to be comprehensive systematic theology books. They were written with a particular audience in mind and for a particular reason, often to address certain issues in the lives of believers during the early church period. And James's letter is no different. He, he writes to speak to things that that he perceives are taking place, perhaps misunderstandings or behavioral things that are taking place among Christians during the time in which he writes. And he he writes to specific people to address these things very pointedly. And so when we come to a question in Scripture, such as our passage of Scripture for today begins with, it's wise for us to, to stop not to, not to rush through that, but to try to identify with the original recipients of this letter. Not to gloss over that question, but to reflect on it in light of our own lives, in light of, of who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. And so if a letter like this, and a passage like this, and say even a question that we see in James chapter 3 verse 13 seems very confrontational or direct or personal or in your business it's because that's that's the nature of it that's, that's the way in which James was writing that's the way in which these these letters were written to specific people a specific audience address certain issues and by nature of being in the word of God written to us today in the 21st century as well. So let's look at this passage of Scripture together. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let's pause right there for a moment and imagine somebody from the outside coming into to our gathering, our fellowship as a group of believers and posing that question to us, expecting a certain response or expecting us to introspectively think about that question as, as if we were going to separate you know, those that are here that are wise over on this side and, and everybody else over, over here. Who, who are the ones that would be over here? How would we determine who's going to be here and not? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom 
does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. A passage like this, like all of this short letter that James wrote, is so straightforward and seemingly basic and practical. The temptation for us might be just to, to read through a passage like that and say, hey, we, man, it makes sense, we've got that, we've got it figured out, and, and skip right on and move to the next section, the next section of God's Word. But let's resist that temptation this morning. And let's pause and let's think for a few moments about what James is communicating here, what the Holy Spirit of God is communicating here through the Word of God. What are the biblical truths here? What are the principles that are found here ultimately for the purpose of applying to our own lives, our own spiritual walks with God? What does this particular passage have to say to us as believers today? And I believe James's point is, is this. That the wise know God and reflect the character of God. Who is wise? The wise know God and reflect the character of God. Now how would that perhaps match up with with the, the people and the thoughts and qualities that entered your head just a few moments ago as as you thought about wisdom, as you thought about those who are wise, how would that inform who you consider wise? The wise know God and reflect the character of God. Very clearly here, God's wisdom is not the same as worldly wisdom. When we think of wisdom, we often think of things like discretion and discernment. Perhaps common sense, knowledge, how intelligent someone is. According to the Word of God here in this definition of wisdom, wise know God and reflect the character of God. And if somebody does not fit that description, according to the Bible, they are not wise. So, so what, what is wisdom? Beyond just that statement, what is wisdom according to the word of God here? And I think the first thing that we see is that the wise produce right conduct that stems from knowing God. Who's wise? Are you wise? The wise produce right conduct that stems from knowing God. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Just different. It's already stated from the way that we usually define wisdom. It's different from the way that the world defines wisdom. This is probably different from the first things that come to our minds as we think of wisdom. God's word here doesn't instruct us to define wisdom interestingly by by a trivia match or by a family feud challenge or even by a stellar performance on the ACT or SAT. No, Scripture's not saying that that's, that's what wisdom here is. 
In fact, there's a difference between being intellectual and being wise. And we often equate those things. We say the same thing, but according to God's Word, there's a difference between being intellectual and being wise. In fact, the wise recognize who their Maker is. They recognize that there's a God in heaven before whom we are responsible as creatures on this earth. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You see, those that know God, those that know the God of Scripture, that know the God that is revealed in the Bible, the one and only God, begin to develop a biblical fear of that God. A reverence, a healthy reverence and respect for that God because He is a mighty God, a just God. He is creator. He is all-knowing and all-powerful. As we reflect on who He is, as we think about who He is, the only appropriate response is to worship Him for who He is. To worship Him, to exalt Him, to magnify with him with glory and praise and adoration and to live a life of worship in obedience to His will. The wise produce right conduct that stems from knowing God. I remember in elementary school receiving a conduct grade. Anybody else receive a conduct grade in elementary school? It seems like the conduct grade was never quite given the weight as the other grades. This didn't, this didn't really seem fair. I mean, it was a big deal to make an A in a particular subject, but you know, it was like the conduct grade was just assumed, was taken for granted. It wasn't a big deal if you got a passing or a satisfactory conduct grade. It was only a big deal if you if you've got a failing conduct grade, an unsatisfactory conduct grade. You know, if we're going to make a big deal about passing or about failing, we've got to make a big deal about passing, right? But what would, what would your conduct grade, what would my conduct grade be before God as believers in the God of Scripture, as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who desire to to be wise in the way that the Word of God defines wisdom. After all, as believers, we ought to be much more interested in what God has to say about wisdom than what the world has to say about wisdom. But are we more interested in our children succeeding in school, in standing out in school, achieving a certain level of accomplishment and grades in school than in them succeeding in knowing and following Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior, as Redeemer, as friend. Let's desire that they know the God of Scripture and follow after the God of Scripture. Live a life that is pleasing to that God. And because the wise produce right conduct that stems from knowing God, let's get to know God personally. Let's you and I, as those who pause this, on this Sunday morning to gather together in this place in, in the name of God, let's get to know that God 
personally. We've already seen in our time together in in this letter, in James, that there's a difference in simply knowing about God and knowing God. Let's get to know God personally so that we'll know what's pleasing to God, so that we'll know how to, to live a life, so that we'll desire to live a life, so that we'll be capable of living a life by the Holy Spirit who takes up residence in us as believers in Jesus So we'll be capable of living a life that is honoring to the God that we say we worship, to the God that we say we gather in the name of this morning. The wise know God and reflect the character of God. So what is the character of God? And we see first in verses 14 through 16 a description that is not the character of God. That is the opposite of the character of God. And then in verses 17 and 18 we see a picture of the character of God. Look back at God's word with me in James chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. The wise produce right conduct that stems from knowing God, and the unwise produce envy and selfishness. According to the word of God here in James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, the unwise produce envy and selfishness. Two words that are paired together twice in those three verses. Characteristic of those that and always want what's best for themselves without regard to anyone else. A self-seeking attitude that, that always desires more and more for me. There would be a greater reputation or more stuff, more success, more popularity. All about me. And this is not something that is pleasing to God. In fact, this is not something that is from God. Both envy and selfish ambition both stem from pride, an attitude of pride, of too much focus on oneself. Two things that I think we see right here about pride. Pride, firstly, is not from God. It is not from God. Verse 14, but if you harbor, harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Literally, from the devil. How would you like that description to describe your character, our character? Of course you would. And this is a progression, a threefold progression from, from bad to worse, earthly, unspiritual, demonic, the very opposite of of true wisdom, of biblical wisdom, of the wisdom that comes down from heaven, that is heavenly, spiritual, and divine in origin. True wisdom only comes from God. He is the source of true wisdom. We've seen this already in this letter in the opening verses, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given 
to you. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Wisdom is from the Lord. If you want wisdom, get to know God. If you want to be wise, you must know God. The God of the Scriptures. You need a Bible and a desire to hear from the Lord. Wisdom comes from God. Pride is not from God. Secondly, pride destroys community and leads to other sin. Pride destroys community and leads to other sin. Verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Now we know this. We know that in a particular group or community, if there's individuals or that make up that group, that are more interested in themselves and the well-being of the group. The whole group suffers. The community suffers. You see this in sports teams. I don't watch a whole lot of NBA basketball, but I did watch the NBA playoff championship games this summer between the San Antonio Spurs and the Miami Heat. And There's one thing that if you, if you watch any of that series that stood out, among the San Antonio Spurs, a team. It wasn't about any particular individual. It wasn't about any two individuals or three individuals. Guys like Tim Duncan and Mono Ginobili and Tony Parker and Splitter and Danny Green and Diaw and on and on. It's clearly about the effort of the team opposite of the pride that's described here in James 3.16, but any type of group, any type of gathering, any type of family, including the church family, where there's some that are more interested in their own well-being than the overall well-being of the group, the group suffers. Clearly, this was true on some level in, in the life of the churches that James is writing to. So before we point the finger out there at those outside of these walls for being so so proud, we ought to examine our own hearts. He's writing this to Christians, to churches. So anytime those in the church are more consumed with themselves and their own self-image, perhaps even their own message, more than the body growing in Christ, and we ought to be alarmed. And based on the context in the previous verses, there's reason to believe that there were some, perhaps teachers, in the churches that James is addressing who were acting in that way. Like a floodgate that, that opens up, up a lake for water to rush out and to... A river. Pride opens up a floodgate for all sorts of other sin. Like a spiral that continues more and more out of control. Pride leads to other sin. Pride destroys community and leads to other sin. And because envy and selfishness is the opposite of true wisdom, let's humbly confess our sin regularly. Let's humbly confess sin regularly. 
Because we know that we are so prone to sin, so prone to stumble, so prone to error, so prone to this pride that Scripture is so clearly warning against. Let's be on our guard. Often confess in sin. Confess in sin before the God that we gather in the name of. And also confess in sin before each other as believers in Jesus Christ. So the wise produce character that stems from knowing God. The unwise are characterized by envy and selfishness. And finally, the wise reproduce the character of God. The wise reproduce the character of God. Look back at verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the polar opposite of what we just read in verses 14 through 16 about bitter envy and selfish ambition. Pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And purity is the, the basic quality here that really leads to the rest of these things. And pure is used here not simply to refer to sexual purity, but, but the absence of sin, the absence of any sort of sinful attitude or thought or action. And when we read a description like this in God's Word, we ought to think of the one who, who displays all of those characteristics per- perfectly. The one and only God. The Almighty God who is pure because He is sinless. He's a peacemaker. After all, He sent His one and only Son to this earth to live and to die in our place so that we sinful, broken, fallen creatures could have peace with God. He's considerate because He treats us with gentleness and kindness, although He's every reason and right to be stern with us because of our sin. He's submissive in the sense that He's not obstinate or self-seeking, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. He's full of mercy, compassion, because he treats us far better than we deserve. He's full of good fruit, Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The very fruit that He desires to see in our lives through the transformation that takes place by His Spirit. And He's impartial in the sense that He doesn't show favoritism based on external things. A practice that we're called to imitate right here that we saw in James chapter 2. And He's sincere. Meaning that God is not hypocritical. His character is always the same. He remains true to who He is. This is the God, ladies and gentlemen, that we 
gather to worship today. This is the God that is worthy of our honor. This is the God that is worthy of our praise. This is the God who is worthy of our lives. This is the God who died in our place so that we could live forever and enjoy His presence forever. And so because that is who He is, let's imitate that God daily. Let's imitate the character of God daily. That is wisdom. Not what you know, but who you know. Personally, relationally, transformationally, the God of Scripture who loves us, gave Himself for us, desires to transform us by His power, the one in the language of Romans 6 says that we were buried with through baptism, putting to death the old way of life and, and given new life as Christ has new life to the glory of the Father. Told in Ephesians chapter 4, We were taught with our former way of life to put off our old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of our minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. As the people of God, we are called to imitate the character of God. The wise know God and reflect the character of God. That being said, are you wise? Are we wise? Do we know God? Not do we know about God. Do we know God? The God of the Scriptures. Has He changed us? Because you can't know that God personally, relationally. You can't know that Savior and remain the same. You can't know Him and and remain unchanged. You can't know Him and go on to consistently be characterized by bitter envy and selfish ambition. If you know the God who, who loved the world so much that He sent His one and only Son die for us so that we could have eternal life in him. If you know that God, then you will begin to imitate the character of that God. The wise know God and reflect the character of God. Let's pray. Father, we do we do praise you this morning. Lord, we acknowledge that you are a holy God, a mighty God, a just God, a worthy God. A God who's worthy of all praise. The only one worthy of all praise. And so, Father, we, we pray that you would remind us of who you are. That you would remind us that you desire for us to know you intimately through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would Give us a picture today 
not only now, but Lord, as we leave, Lord, throughout this week, give us a picture of who you are and what it means to know you and to walk with you day by day as your children. Lord, help us to know you and to know you more each day so that we might follow hard after you and so that we might reflect the character that you have as your children. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.